Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello listeners. Once in a while an icon crosses your path, and I'm not talking about my dog Ridley. We have got such an exciting episode of Homo Sapiens for you. I feel like I should be wearing a dicky bow tie, perhaps with a pop of glitter on it in a sort of lovely jacket. Guess who our guest is today? It's none other than Michael Stipe. Michael Stipe came to everybody's prominence as the REM frontman, writing all the biggest hits in the world. Michael is a very prolific, well-known artist and photographer these days as well. He's done many books, beautiful books, and has got a new book created during lockdown. It's really interesting, actually, because he had all these ideas of things he wanted to do for the book. And because lockdown descended and suddenly he couldn't go anywhere to take photos, it's a photo book. He had to think of other like ingenious ways to like embody the people who were in the book. The book features lots of amazing people like Tilda Swinton is on the cover. Um, Phoebe Wallerbridge is in there. Michaela Cole is in there. Lots of other sort of interesting people, but all represented in different ways, sometimes with a photograph, but often not using things like text and stuff. And he's also done a ton of voice notes. Do you know what they were inspired by? These voice notes where he talks about stuff. He told me he was inspired by listening to me and Alan chatting away on Homo Sapiens and presumably listening to you guys and your voice notes is where he got the idea. So what an accolade from a hero, I tell you. So Michael Stipe is our guest today. I'm very excited. The man is an icon. He also was one of those very first people I was ever aware of when I was younger of being queer in some way. And we talk a lot about that, actually, about how he didn't really want labels and how he was made palatable in his queerness by a record label in that period a long time ago. And actually how, if he had his time again, he would probably redefine his identity now, which I think is something that so many people are feeling. And I think it's a really fascinating perspective listening to him about that time if if anyone remembers that there was a real kind of unfair witch hunt around him and if he had HIV AIDS or not which he didn't but the press I think it was particularly the British press but I could be wrong really kind of made a bit of a witch hunt thinking that he he did he was actually just someone who was an activist and was sticking up for people with HIV and that was his world and those were his friends and it was actually a torturous time for him and yet he was being scrutinized by the press and also he was you know fronting this band which are let's not forget REM is worldwide domination one of the first CDs I ever bought they were everything and his perspective on that time and everything is utterly incredible. It's such a brilliant interview. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Well, I can actually. Shall I, shall I, shall I tell you what I'm going to do, listeners? I'm going to press play. Here you go. 
here's a question I want to ask you. What did you burn at the beginning of our conversation? Oh, fuck. I, I, completely, I could have burned down the apartment is what I burned. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's incense from Japan. It's the best incense you can buy. Uh, really? I, know of. I'm, I have to light it again, though. Does it say what the flavors are? I'm not sure flavors yeah. quite the right word. Yeah, I do a little unicorn thing there where I put the incense stick to my head and I send out a little, a little hope or a little prayer. For someone who grew up in the church, you know, that's a lot to say. And is that a thing or is that something that you've invented? No, I think, I think it's a thing. Part of being in the 21st century is that you pick and pull from all the different belief systems and religions of the world, and you put together the, you know, the church of Chris Sweeney yes. or the church of Michael Stipe, as it turns out. And so this is, a, especially in the, in the age of COVID, you send out prayers almost every day for somebody somewhere. Mm. And so this is a nice way to, to do so. Oh, hang on. What's happened? You've set fire to your I, house. I'm, yeah, I'm setting fire to the building again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that means I need to do hopes and prayers for you. So this is premium incense called Matsu no Tomo, mm-hmm. and it's from Kyoto. And this particular one, gee, I don't read Japanese. I think from the smell, it's called King's Aroma. So nice. when someone passes, that's what you, that's what you light for them. Oh, really? Well, that's what I do. That's Church of Michael. <laughs> Church of Michael. But it's so, it's so funny you say that because the, do you, have you ever been to a restaurant called Busaba in London? Basaba, no. It's like a chain. It's not like a particularly smart restaurant, but the food is amazing. And they light incense inside the door. And it is the most beautiful smell, which I think is something to do with lemongrass. Anyway, whenever I go in there, I always say to the waiters, I'm like, can I have some? And they give it to me, which is very sweet of them. So I sort of burn it in my house. Never smells quite the same in your own home. The other thing is such an, it's such an, it's such an odd thing to do to burn incense during a meal. Because you don't, you, you, you really want to, you want to smell the food, you know. Don't you? Don't really want to smell incense. I don't. Mm, anyway. That's true. There used to be a restaurant here. Daniel Boulay is the guy's name, and you walked into the restaurant, and uh, there was a little uh, foyer. Is that how you say a small room? Yeah. That you walk through, like a mud room, that you walk through to get into the restaurant, and it was filled. The walls were filled with rotting apples, uh, because he thought that the smell what? of rotting apples. So I recreated it in my home, only to discover <laughs> that. Roaches love rotting apples. <laughs> and so in my home, it didn't have quite the same effect as the Daniel Boulay fancy restaurant in New York City. Uh, I just, I just, I, I had a whole new um, category of roach, of roach infestation. God, that's so cool though. I love that idea. It's oh. sort of a bit Heston Blumenthal. I know the name. Did he used to have a restaurant in New York called, um, where's he based? Britain, but he feels quite international. Mm. Like it's all kind of experiential things in and around food to heighten the experience, which I always think is sort of fascinating. I got served a balloon once that was, that that came to the table, and it was this giant, looked like a huge ostrich egg, uh, white, beautiful thing, and there was smoke coming off of it. Made no sense. And we're talking about how beautiful it is. We're talking about the wine, and it was the first course of a fifty course meal uh, at that very yeah. famous restaurant in Spain, the very difficult one to find. And um, the waiter said, um, you might want to start eating it now. And it turns out that the smoke coming off of it is because it was frozen and it was frozen gorgonzola that they had formed into the shape of an enormous ostrich egg. And I actually oh wept as we ate it. It was so good and such a surprise that it, it brought tears to my eyes. Yep. And did you, um, this isn't a restaurant podcast, by the way, um, but uh, <laughs> there's this restaurant in London called Story. 
when you sit down at the table, they light a candle on your table and you think, oh, that's nice. And then as you eat, uh, then like after maybe the second course, because it's little courses, they come to the table with some bread and they say the candle that has now melted was actually the butter that you now dip your bread what? in. What? That's insane. That's so cool. Wow. So inventive. Yeah, that's good. I love it. Wow. The reason we are here is to talk about your book, your amazing book that I've I've been looking through over the past couple of days and a massive congratulations. How do you feel about it being out there? I just got a I just got 20 boxes delivered <laughs> of the book, but it's it's thrilling to me that it's out in the world. It really feels like um you know, I spent m- the majority of my adult life creating things that are not tangible uh through music. Mm-hmm and lyric. And I, I really like, I'm a very things. Um, I, I like, I like objects. I'm, I'm very object oriented, I guess. So for me to mm-hmm. be able to create what feels like, you know, a piece of art really in the form of a book um, mm. is really quite thrilling. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. It's utterly beautiful and evocative of so many things that make me think of you. So I'm, I loved looking through it in a you know, I've, I've got it in a digital form, but, you know, to see the physical thing would be even better. But I, what I, one of the things I took away from it was the beauty of how creativity is about problem solving. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started this book before COVID and you were going to really photograph a lot of these people who are in the book, but then you had to find a way to represent them without being able to be face to face with them. Am I correct there? That that's exactly right. That's exactly um, yeah. That was the conundrum. That was the problem. That was the problem that I had to solve. When it, when it was obvious that lo- we were going to be in lockdown for a while, I thought, well, I'll just I'll just do a different book. I'll dig into the archives, and I can I have decades worth of beautiful images that I could I could put something together. I could cobble something. To- and then I was like, no, no, no. Hang on a second. This is clearly a very significant and important moment in history, mm. uh, in in my life certainly. Hopefully, the only time that we will all go into a global lockdown. Mm. Uh, but this is a significant moment. Uh, I think beyond even COVID, I think this is a significant moment. And so, the job of the artist is really to embrace and accept the challenge of presenting the present. Uh, you, can you present the present? I guess you can. Presenting the present <laughs> in a, in a, from from a, from a, from a new perspective, allowing us yes. all to see ourselves in the moment, but also to be able to kind of imagine what this moment expands out into in the future. And so I thought I I need to, this needs to be about this year. It needs to be about right now. And so I had to find lockdown ways to present portraits of people. Do you know that saying, like, how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Yeah, I love that one. (laughs) I can certainly anyway, have an instinct to uh, have a problem come up and then I think how can I still make this how it should be or how I planned and actually I think freedom is about going now with this new problem what do we make and being unafraid to go into it and do it like that and I actually think the results are always better and like you say if you'd gone like oh I could just pull photos out of the archives that book could have been made at any time any place what's the point in it being out there right exactly 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a quick for a quick question I'm doing that thing yes. on Zoom where um, rather than interrupt you, I'm nodding. And uh, and so, but we're recording audio on a different platform. So I can interrupt and we can speak over each other like a... Yeah, 100%. Feel free to talk over me at any time. Okay. And you, me, because, but but having the having the visual of, of Zoom, I'm doing that thing where you don't, you never interrupt someone in the middle of a thought. 
uh, which it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. I also wind up looking at myself a lot, which I don't even have very good light here. You look great. I don't. <laughs> I look like I look a little vampirish. I look a little Nosferatu here in a in a Helmut Lang ar- uh, archive jacket. That is nonsense. You look great. Thank you. I've positioned myself next to a window, which is my my shortcut to, if in doubt, be near a window. But um, we're filming in the Australian outback at the moment, right? And it is sandstorms and heat and everything and wow. they said you know get ready it's going to be really tough it's going to be you know um it's really harsh environment and i was like i'm sure it'll be fine literally i've been doing it for three weeks my face has actually changed texture wow, wow, wow <laughs> it's wow, become wow. sort of it's become sort of leather uh, I have some really um, good suggestions for. I have some really good face oil connections. Please, please. Well, Costa Brazil, you got to do that. You got to, you got to go there. That's a, that's a great one. Really? Okay. And then Augustinus, Augustinus Bader, that's really good. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Augustinus Bader, mm-hmm. and then um, Costa Brazil. That's that's what I've got in my head right now, which is why I look tremendous. <laughs> it's working. This Thank is, you. Okay, <laughs> I've been doing. Yeah, uh, the the makeup artist was like, "You need to exfoliate." I was like, "I've never exfoliated in my life." She was like, "Time's ticking. You need to you need to get going on that." I was like, "Okay, fine." It seems like standing in the Australian outback in the middle of a sandstorm is is a very natural way to exfoliate. Is that what she was referring to? <laughs> I just grab a handful of dust. <laughs> Turn your face to the <laughs> south a little bit, if you would. <laughs> yeah, get the full blast. Um, <laughs> we were talking about problem solving, weren't we? Oh, yeah. Well, that, I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to riff on that for a second. Yes, please. I, it took me a while. It took me a long... You know, I, 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 I was a teenager when I started my former band, R.E.M., and uh, mm. I didn't, you know, it was, a, it was this kind of teenage fantasy dream to be a singer in a band. I, I didn't realize that you had to, you had to have a voice, one, you had to have pitch, two, you had to know how to write a song, and then you had to be able to perform it. Mm. None of these things occurred to me at the time, but <laughs> I learned in public, and that's fine. I grew up that way. But at some point, I learned a really important and really significant lesson that I carry with me now uh, everywhere. And it turns out that it's not, a, it's not a difficult lesson to learn. It was taught at Bauhaus by one of my favorite painters, Paul Clay, mm-hmm. taught the idea of learning everything that you can possibly learn to then begin to forget it. And when you forget it, you come full circle, at which point you have become an instinctual uh, artist or creator. Now, mm. some of us have really strong instincts and you just kind of, you you have this superhuman trust in that instinct and you take that and you run with it. But within that, so, so this is a little bit of a two-pronged uh, um, approach here. Within that is the idea of, and there's a brilliant um, essay that I referenced from the 1980s. I, I discovered it in the 1980s in my mid-20s um, by Walker Percy called Metaphor as Mistake. And what it is is how if we recognize mistakes when they happen and we recognize them for something that might be a window into something greater than our intention, mm. then we can create something that is truly, actually instinctual. Uh, the idea being that God lives whatever, whoever uh, they, I'm, I, God in my life is a they, them. So whatever they are suggesting uh, is the way forward often presents itself in the mistakes, in, in the in-between mm. spaces and not in the intended uh, direction that you're headed in. So you pay really close attention to the mistakes and you can, you win an Oscar mm-hmm. or, or not an Oscar. That was terrible, but you get something for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
an RTS award. Um, I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's almost like, I suppose, I wonder if you agree with this, that creativity is about absolute supreme detail and control on the one hand. And then on the other hand, absolute let it happen let let yourself blow in the breeze of what will of life and turn that into the thing you want to make you have to sort of be completely in control completely admitting that you can't be in control at the same time i think it's both and i i I, speaking again as a former lead singer and performer i you you have to have that massive like narcissistic not it's not narcissistic that's a misuse of that term actually Mm -hmm. the meaning of which has changed i think in the 21st century because of you know, the, the, the most recent former uh, U.S. administration, that jackass. Mm. Uh, but the idea of narcissism has shifted or the, or the, the definition has shifted. But, f- but in the true definition, it's not narcissistic, but the arrogance to suggest that you have the ego to get up and do this thing mm. has to be matched with, in order to be successful, in order for the, the result to be great, has to be matched with a gut-wrenching insecurity. <laughs> and knowing that if you believe your own myth, you're fucked. You're completely screwed. And mm. everyone is going to know that. Everyone can, you can see it. You can see it from a mile away. So you have to have this massive ego. And then at the same time, you have to be massively insecure. And it's doing that dance that I think mm. creates something worth, worth actually paying attention to. And you were, you were talking about grow, sort of growing up and learning in front of everybody because of success from such a young age. Like what were the moments where you learned that lesson you're just describing were there some there um well there were there were several moments uh not all pleasant uh and not all um uh flattering for sure but um but that's part of it you know you fall on your face in public um more than once and that's a that's a great way to 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 figure out where uh if we're gonna if we're gonna um personify the the universe that's where the universe wants you to go that's what that's that's your true direction mm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh. And also there's a fear, I think, something I've learned through doing this podcast is that, you know, this podcast was set up because there was nowhere I could turn on a radio of any description and hear queer people talking to each other about sure. just little details about their life, you know, that we can all relate to. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, perhaps can't relate to, but is my responsibility to learn to relate to, you know, because I identify as a gay man. We've got it pretty good. I have it pretty good as a gay man. Like, that's how I identify. But through LGBTQIA+, if that's the full spectrum, those people are of concern to me 
just as much. And I think that's just as important. And I feel like people are waking up to that in a way that perhaps they weren't before. I would agree. I mean, I think what, what's really interesting about now is that generationally and, and otherwise, like just, just in terms of where we are um, uh, on, 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 the, on the spectrum of, of, of giant uh, uh, seismic shifts in culture, um, and mm. and generationally, LGB became LGBT, and then became LGBTQ, and then it became LGBTQIA, and then it became LGBTQIA plus. And yeah. my mom and I call it the LMNOPs. It's a lot easier, <laughs> but the LGBTQIA plus community is in fact a negation. Not it's it's a it's a response to it's basically everyone who's not straight and or. Mm. living in this other um let's suggest majority paradigm and i think where we find ourselves is that those terms now if let's just for the for simplicity's sake and for conversational sake let's call let's call us the queers all the queers yeah. all the lgbtqia plus are rather than being a response to something and a response to this is what we are not this is what we are and so we have to group together because we're not that Mm. Instead of instead of this being a reaction, uh, it's in fact I think something that's that's becoming its own thing in a very significant and a very important way. And that's I mm. I, I I believe we have history on our side. Uh, we were just born into uh, we were born I was born in, certainly into a, a century that did not um, particularly recognize where I was and or who I was completely. And so all the people that were able to provide me with um, uh, indicators of of who I could become and how I could find my voice and what I could do with that voice once I found it. They were all there. They just weren't as spot led as they are now. Mm. Uh, so it's it's kind of a glorious uh, in the arc of my life. It's a glorious thing to see happen. Did that make sense, Chris? One hundred percent. I feel like we are in the first movement for a long, long time. And I see that catalyzed in art, in writing, in, you know, every every area of art, in music and everything. And I, and I was really interested to see that in your book, you've written a list of people and you'd speak about um, in the audio notes about being a fan of lists and stuff, which I have to talk more about in a sec. Okay. But on, on your lists yeah. were Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Michaela Cole. Yeah. And for me, they embody a lot of, particularly Michaela, the age of individualism, where those are the stories we want to hear. And those really specific stories are zooming to the top of what people want. And I wondered if that was in your mind at all. And that's why they were on the list. They're on the list because what happened, the book became, the book started as people who uh, have inspired me or people who I look up to, who I regard as my heroes. Um, when I when I made the initial list, uh, I realized at some point that it was all women. Right. And uh, I started photographing the first people that I that I was able to contact, and many of whom live in New York. Another uh, the, my my cover star is Tilda Swinton. She came through New yeah. York for some uh, for some job that she was doing, and we met up, and we had we had discussed the idea of me taking pictures of her, and so she came to the studio. We had a wonderful day together. It's a stunning photo. Thank you very much. I'm so proud of it. And really I love is. her to the end of yeah. time. And her boyfriend, Sandro Kopp, are their family. They're great friends. And so um, uh -huh. this magical thing happened. You know, it, it's not that I, a, a friend recently 
uh, it was a little insulting the way they said it, but they were like, oh, it'd be really hard to take a bad picture of her. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's actually true. That is true. That said, <laughs> the reason she's on the cover of the book is because in the moment, I knew what I wanted as the, as the mm. photographer, as the portraitist. I didn't know that I was maybe going to get it, but she was so present. Mm-hmm. She was so fully there that I got, I got a series of incredible images uh, of her. And then lockdown happened. And I, I did really about six uh, photo shoots before lockdown. And then I was fucked in terms of the idea for my book. Mm. What the book turned into was really um, a, a bit of a biographic, autobiographic trip through my year in lockdown. And mm. Michaela's show and Phoebe's show were wildly significant to me. And I think the, I think the community that you're talking about is the queer community. Or if we, if I, again, if I can use that as an overarching LGBTQIA plus. Yeah, 100%. The, the, all the outsiders, you know, yeah. uh, are, are now presenting the world with, and if, if, if not, if, if not, if not actually, actually queer, queer adjacent. So people mm. that people like, like Phoebe, who, uh, I think she's straight. I think she identifies as straight. I don't know. But yeah, people for whom the way that she has formed the work that she does is clearly through a queer lens and clearly presenting a a very different and a more complex and a very complicated, a more complicated suggestion of who we are and how we move through the world and then how we um, integrate ourselves into community and how those communities intersect and it, it turns into this whole other thing. And that, and then, and then you go to Michaela. Well, the book became really about anyone who I saw on TV, anyone who I, um, watched, uh, in, in their case, watched their TV shows, someone who I read an article about in a, in a, in a magazine or a newspaper, uh, anyone who inspired me made it into the book. And the, the book is in no mm. way complete, but there are some very odd choices in there. In fact, there are people that I don't really know that much about, but, they touched me one night on CNN talking about COVID or talking about uh, racial inequality in the, in, in, in the, in, in the United States. There are people like um, Colin Kaepernick uh, and LeBron James mm-hmm. who are sports figures, really big sports figures. If the future of the world of humanity hinged on me being able to tell you which ball those guys carry, we might be fucked because I, I'm not a sports guy at all, but I know yeah. them. I know them through their activism, and I know of them because of the brave choices that they made as individuals, as people with a voice, as public figures, to basically throw caution to the wind and say, "This is something I believe so strongly in that I will put my entire, not only career but reputation, on the line to suggest mm-hmm. that, that things need to change." And I'm going to be there to help pivot all of us to a better way of looking at where we need to be, who we need to be. And and that in 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 my d- definition of queerness, that is queer. You know, it's about sticking up for people who need sticking up for, and that unites anyone, anyone and everybody. Yeah, I mean, punk rock kind of, and uh, as a teenager, punk rock served for me, uh, mm. served as uh, the catalyst for that for me. It's, it's it's where I found all the people that I was like, oh, okay, you're as kind of fucked up or weird or or thrown to the side as I am, uh, or some combination of all those things. Um, mm. and, uh, and wow, let's, let's, let's like, let's start a band. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about the first ever picture you took and because you took pictures from a, a very young age, right? I did. I started at 15. Yeah. Do you remember the first picture you took? What I remember, Chris, is taking a photo f- photography cl- course in, um, 
I guess, grammar school. I was 14 years old. I was also at the same time, I was um, taking a course that I think the idea was that they train teenagers to grow up to become teachers to then be able to work with children. So we, we, as teenagers, we were working with these very, very young children, learning communication skills and learning how to play with them and how to listen to them and what have you. The first pictures I took were of those children, uh, uh, just mm. very innocent, very beautiful in the classroom, kind of sitting at desks. Or there's a picture I remember very clearly, a young girl who looks like a five-year-old Cindy Sherman with this shock of of, of blonde hair. She's peeking at me from under the desk. And I, I, I brought the camera uh-huh. down and I took a picture of her with her hair sticking up. So yeah, that would have been my first, uh, my first kind of photo. And what did you like about that experience of taking a photo? I, I think of photography as my written history, because I don't write things down uh, other than lyrics. I don't even uh-huh. write them down after, after automatic for the people that was the first i think that was the first record that i used a computer and a backlit screen and and it was there was no looking back after that but i don't write things down ever any about my life i keep them in my head which is i have a lot of blind spots in in terms of memory it's not about um my mental capacity or my level of intelligence but it's more about uh the amount of adrenaline that's coursed through my system as a performer uh since Mm -hmm. since i was 20 years old and prior to that i was hyperactive and i had all kinds of other things going on as a child. But yeah, I don't have a very good memory. So I take pictures to remember what happened and where I was and who I was there with. Patty Smith writes things down. She has filing cabinets of, of journals that she's kept since she was nine years old, I think eight years old. Uh, I have wow. I, I, I have maybe one, one small notebook if I compiled everything. Uh, but I do, have, yes. uh, I do have an archive of hundreds of thousands of photographs that I've taken. And so if you are, so you mentioned that you were seeing some friends later, would you take a picture there? Would you, are you the sort of person who can just free and easily take? Oh my God. It's so funny that you asked me that. Really? I, well, I'm in New York. I'm, we're speaking from New York city. I'm actually, um, I'll, 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 I'll paint a picture for your listeners. I'm, I'm in my, my modest apartment. My boyfriend has moved uh, to our home in Berlin where he's setting up um, an art show that's opening uh, in Germany in and so he's there working. Uh, I'm here on mm. my own now. I'm looking out a window and I'm, I'm very lucky to have a view of the Empire State Building. So dusk has settled over the city and the lights have started to come on and it's twinkly and beautiful with the exception of uh, someone's having a roof party over there a few blocks away. And not only are they listening yeah. to the worst music imaginable, uh, which is <laughs> echo, echoing off of my building, but um, I'm in New York. I spent most of lockdown in Athens, Georgia. Um, and... So the majority of from March 2020 to March 2021, I was there uh, mm. for a variety of reasons, which we don't need to go into, but it's all, everything turned out good and everything's okay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm back in New York. Um, and one of the things that I'm doing as I meet people, as they get vaccinated, I have been vaccinated fully. I'm happy to, to report. And as I'm meeting people um, and we're still using a great deal of caution in terms of masking and social distancing and, you know, not, not going to places that are crowded and not eating in restaurants and what have you here in New York. But as I'm meeting them, I'm, I'm asking if I can take a picture. Some of them I'm able to be very close to because they're fully vaccinated as well. Others I'm still Mm. meeting at a eight to 10 foot distance across a large table, or we, we meet in a park and we talk from a distance. So I'm asking mm. if I can take their photograph as, as, as I try to reintegrate myself back into some version of what used to be, but will never be again. Let's just say that right now. I mean, we all know there ain't, there ain't no going back. This is now, 
you know, BC, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ is now before COVID. And, and, uh, and so you have to share that particular moniker. Um, AD, mm. I'm not sure what AD means, but, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're clearly moving through this, um, oh, immensely. Astrovenica something. Uh, <laughs> there you go. We're clearly moving through this, um, this, uh, transformational, uh, in between period, this, this in between period between what was and what will be. And that puts mm. us in a very, precarious and a very fascinating, uh, I think, place. But I wanted to take pictures of my friends as I meet them uh, to be able to remember how I was able to reintegrate myself into some version of a social life that's not that doesn't happen on a backlit screen. And do you, do you really think it will be completely different from now on? Completely radically different, Chris. There's no going back. None. Tell me more about that. I think we, I think we are, we're, we're doomed to complete and utter collapse and devastation if we try to I mean that's already obvious but the the problems that we're having to the problems that this problem has superseded uh, are are still present and completely present and I read an article about PPE and masks uh, and plastic mm. pollution in in the oceans and the problem of uh, the amount of uh, medical supplies that are being used uh, to to try to wrestle uh, covid nineteen and the variants out of the front of mm. our lives you know it's um, a preacher once said of, of a problem that if you have a problem and you think of it as a quarter, so a quarter is a, a, a coin, you know, slightly larger than your thumb. If you hold that mm. coin right in front of your eye, it's really hard to see all around it. But it, that problem, yeah. if you hold it at arm's length, you get a bit more perspective. And if we think of COVID as that, you know, then we have a bunch of other things. Uh, I mentioned, Rachel, inequality. That's been a big one here in the U.S. Uh, clearly this past mm. year. And it's, it's, reached, uh, it's reached a boiling point. Uh, we have a similar and over uh, intersecting problem with how we police ourselves and our communities and with gun control in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and then, and mm. then we have climate change and we have the horrific problems of, of plastic in the ocean. And what do we, you know? What what are we doing to the other species that we're that we're on this beautiful planet with? Mm. I mean, how remark how mm. remarkable this place is that we live. It's really shockingly, incredibly amazing. I love dragonflies. I love dragonflies. Oh, me too. And do you know what? Uh, do you know what else that, um, related to what you're saying is like being here in the Australian outback? We're in a town, um, and so there's you know a, a main street, and then there's four rows of houses. But at night, they don't really light the streets. So you walk out and you look up and you can see every galaxy in the wow, sky. Wow, wow. All the stars. It is extraordinary. And we were walking to the local pub to have dinner the other day. And I was walking with my friend and I was like, you know, what are we doing to this place? Yeah. You know, yeah. look at that. Yeah. That was here before we got here. And what are we doing? And I think COVID has really made us think like that. And... I don't want to say anything underinformed because we don't need any more underinformed voices, but I do sort of know that there is a link between COVID and the way we treat the world and why we have these outbreaks that are whipping around the planet. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree. Aren't. I couldn't agree more. And let's just, let's just take right away. We're, we're not, you know, we're not scientists or epidemiologists. We're not r radical vegan like activists. We're just two guys talking mm. about where we are and where we need to be. And I think where we need to be is very different from where we've been. That's the end of part one of our lovely chat with lovely Michael Stipe. You can go and listen to part two right now. Just head over to the feed, click part two, and you'll be away. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.